0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics, coming up. The border between Canada and the United States will remain closed for at least another month. We're going to keep
1: making those decisions as time goes on. Uh, it was the right thing to further extend by 30 days our closure of the Canada-U.S. border to travelers other than uh, essential services and goods. Uh, but uh, we will continue to watch carefully what's happening uh, elsewhere in the world uh, and around us as we make decisions on next steps.
0: Andrew Scheer questions the government's change- in attitude toward China. Don't be fooled by Mr. Trudeau's phony statements about about China right now. We have been raising the alarm about this government's failure to stand up for Canada, its policy of appeasement to the regime and the PRC, and it's only now, after they see some polling data, that they've started to change their message on that. And calls from the opposition for accountability from the World Health Organization.
1: The WHO has done tremendous work around the world, especially developing countries at vulnerable places. And we don't want to lose that while we bring about a better era of accountability on things like pandemics.
0: It's Wednesday, May 20th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Let's start with the border between Canada and the United States, which is going to remain closed to all but essential traffic for at least another month. I don't think that's a big surprise, but uh, it's, it's another sign that even as some things return to normal or closer to normal across the country, businesses reopening with some pretty significant restrictions on them nonetheless, that there are many things that are still in this state of lockdown, Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, obviously, this is a developing situation that has still got some ways to run. Um, You know, there's uh, we still really don't know what even next month or the month after that holds for us. But in terms of the border, I mean, this is this is a very complex and nuanced situation, um, because the thing that nobody really wants to say out loud, is that uh, there's no confidence that the Americans have got a grip on the COVID-19 pandemic in their own borders? Um, from this, from my vantage point, anyway, I don't know if everybody would agree, but it certainly looks like a chaotic and and patchwork approach across the U.S. and almost no leadership from uh, from the White House. So, you know, Canadians, I think, can be forgiven for being reluctant to just open the borders up again if the Americans can't police their own backyard first.
0: So how much of this do you think is being driven by let's restrict travel because that's bad for uh, during a pandemic, and how much of this is we need to protect ourselves from what's going on in the United States?
1: Oh, I, I think it's probably large measures of both. I mean... Um, you know, I think people wishing to come to Canada are going to have to go through, you know, quarantine and self-isolation and everything like that. Um, those rules will still apply. But, I mean, I don't know anyone who thinks the Americans are doing a good job of, of controlling or getting a grip on COVID-19. Um, you know, there are signs that maybe the curve might be flattening out a little bit there. But... With so many states rushing to reopen everything from, you know, bars to massage parlors, um, you know, that's not going to do much to really control the spread of this. And it it doesn't take much with the border as long as we have for that spread to go across a border. And uh, so I think Canadians are quite justifiably reluctant to just go back to situation normal until the Americans get a better grip on things.
0: All right, let's turn to Canada's relationship with China. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer was saying yesterday that the government has been following a policy of appeasement with China, that we need to take a harder line, demand more accountability. What do you think about how the Trudeau government has been handling Canada's relationship with China?
1: Well, I think they've been going very gingerly, Mark. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I do think that... um China has a lot to answer for in terms of uh, how this pandemic got out of control. And, you know, the pretty strong evidence that the Chinese were lying to the rest of the world uh, for weeks, if not months, before this thing really took hold and became a global phenomenon. Um, and yet, at the same time, you know, offering bellicose statements and ro- walking around carrying a placard is going to have zero effect on the Chinese regime. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot to be learned in this absolute incompetent, bumbling handling of China, as you see from the Trump White House, where the president himself goes around gushing over how great uh, President Xi is and how he should be the president for life and everything like that, and, uh, and yet at the same time is now trying to condemn the Chinese for, for being responsible for the uh, pandemic. Uh, I don't think Canada should fall into that trap. I mean, we we should stay engaged with the Chinese and try to influence them, along with our partners around the world, uh, to do the right thing. And, um, you know, I don't think the Chinese dictatorship, because that's the right word for it, it's a board of directors, but it's a dictatorship, I don't see how they're going to be moved by Justin Trudeau or any Canadian prime minister uh issuing statements uh, of bombastic uh, intent so you know it's you have to be careful and you have to go along gingerly and you have to try to bring them along with the rest of the world as best you can uh otherwise we risk uh, a constant uh, barrage of, of uh, these types of uh uh Aggressive
0: actions by the Chinese. Yeah, and it, obviously, uh, it's, it's a familiar theme in opposition sometimes to see somebody saying, oh, we need to take a harder line on this or we need to hold them to account. But what does that actually mean in terms of, of actions and, and what are the potential consequences of those actions, the response by the other party, right?
1: Absolutely, and and you know the, the the phenomenon of the modern Chinese state is something that's pretty new to everyone, really. Mark, uh, you know, um, twenty five years ago, twenty years ago, China was almost totally walled off from the outside world. It was a uh, a strict communist, you know, totalitarian dictatorship. Um, nowadays, it's still totalitarian. It's still a dictatorship, but um, the. The economic side of things have changed. And the Chinese realize that they get a lot more influence and a lot more power and a lot more wealth by working with countries around the world. And, um, you know, the Americans, and this is happening at the exact time when the Americans are withdrawing from multilateral organizations like the UN or the WHO. or or many of these other multilateral organizations that acted as a break on the ambitions of superpowers, like the Americans in the past, or the Russians, and now the Chinese. Um, There's no breaks on the Chinese now, because the Americans won't engage with them in a meaningful way anymore. And that has left it to middle powers and smaller states, like Canada and its allies, to try to um, influence and push along in an incremental way, and push the Chinese toward doing the right things where appropriate. And, and uh, you know, we're not going to change anything within China. That's a waste of time. Uh, but what isn't a waste of time is to try to look out for the interests of the global community. And Canada, I think, is trying to find the way it can be most constructive to do that.
0: Speaking of calls for accountability, let's talk about the World Health Organization. Uh, that uh, the, the issue has become a bit of a lightning rod in the United States. We're starting to see some uh, concerns expressed in Canada as well. Uh, what do you think about uh, Canada's role in, in this discussion?
1: Well, again, uh, you know, we get more from engagement than we do from withdrawing. Uh, you know, it, it, the WHO has just become a political punching bag in the States for the Trump administration that does not want to admit its bumbling incompetency in dealing with the pandemic. It's much easier to blame some unknown sort of brownish looking, you know, external uh, enemy uh, than it is to take responsibility yourself. So that's what the Americans are doing, in my opinion. And, you know, Canada, I don't think, can fall into that trap. It doesn't do us any good. We're not a superpower. So uh, I do think that legitimate questions have to be answered about the WHO, the Prime Minister, and and I saw Minister Blair made similar comments yesterday as well, saying that, you know, these questions must be answered for the good of the health of the world. We, We can't let the WHO off just becoming its own insular, you know, bureaucratic empire. But at the same time, the WHO has done tremendous work around the world, especially developing countries and vulnerable places. And we don't want to lose that while we bring about a better era of accountability on things like pandemics.
0: Andrew Scheer has previously called for um, a return to kind of a normal Parliament during this time, uh, or some version of that. Uh, we've had virtual sittings, of course. We've had some in-person activity as well uh, in the House of Commons. What do you think the right way forward is right now uh, for Parliament? How, how normal can things be?
1: Well, they have to eventually, of course, return to normal. Um, And it's up to all the parties in Parliament to maintain as best they can under the circumstances, um, you know, accountability um, in government. And, uh, you know, Canadians are placing a lot of trust in the federal government right now to look after things and to work with the provinces and to bring about, um, uh, you know, uh, stronger and and better measures to deal with the pandemic and, and rebuild the economy. Uh, rebuilding the economy is part of returning to normal, which is, you know, the parliamentary um, system fits into that. Um, although, that said, uh, you know, uh, games playing and partisanship and parliamentary tomfoolery, is not what's needed now and a return to a normal parliament if that's what that means i don't think canadians need that right now frankly they need what they're seeing to some degree which is a parliament that's trying to work together with with a few notable loud exceptions but that is trying to work together i think more than i've seen in in many many years mark um even despite the difficulties and the lack of face-to-face um, I think that Parliament is acquitting itself fairly well, uh, given the fact that these are extraordinary circumstances and circumstances that, that can't just go on indefinitely. So um, Parliament is, is coping with the disaster as best as it can, just like all the rest of us are.
0: All right, Dan, great to have your insights on all of this today. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks for the call, Mark.
0: That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald. We have been raising the alarm about this government's failure to stand up for Canada, its policy of appeasement to the regime and the PRC. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues, we can be clear-eyed on China without being dumb-headed. Coyne writes, when it comes to relations with China, there would appear to be two choices, a hazy mix of complacency, denial, and appeasement, or reacting as though it is a kind of evil genius. It is surely possible to be clear-eyed about the threat China represents without subscribing to crude conspiracy theories. And it is surely just as possible to stand up to China without the mutual ruin of a trade war, to get tough on China without getting tough on ourselves. At iPolitics, Paul M. Young argues Canada needs to protect its border with the United States. Young writes... The Canadian and American responses to COVID-19 have sharply differed, and the results are telling. The numbers are flattening across Canada, while in the U.S., flare-ups are starting in states that have begun lifting lockdown directives. The muddled political response to the crisis, the failure to follow public health measures, mean reopening the border without restrictions would have disastrous results. In an editorial, McLean's asks if this pandemic's legacy will be a universal basic income. McLean's writes, The notion of a guaranteed basic income as a solution to poverty has been around for years. We ought to consider the CERB to be the biggest basic income experiment of all. The entire country is now a laboratory, and we will soon have reliable data on how it affects individual decisions and outcomes on work, school, and health. If the results are supportive we could have a historic opportunity to end poverty once and for all with a simple, efficient, and dignified payment to all Canadians in need. In the Hamilton Spectator, Gwyn Dyer considers what working and income will look like once the pandemic is over. Dyer writes, For the millions whose occupations do not allow them to work at home, the digital transformation during COVID-19 means automation and unemployment. However, the other great change works in the opposite direction. When unemployment suddenly leapt, many governments began paying people's wages until their jobs resume. It's a small step from there to the concept of a guaranteed basic income. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of Barbados ahead of his daily news conference on the COVID-19 situation. He will then attend the sitting of the Special Committee on the COVID-19 Pandemic, followed by the virtual United Nations Latin American and Caribbean Group meeting and the Liberal Caucus meeting. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference ahead of today's House of Commons sitting, and Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will also hold a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May the 20th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.